Now we're getting to the bottom of everything. It's time for Mother Angelica. I mean, that's awesome. Answering the call. Answering the call. This world is no place for Catholic chickens. Answering the call. You call that a failure? I call it a great success. Here's Father Joseph and Doug Keck. I am Doug Keck, and I'm joined by my co-host, Father Joseph Mary Wolf, for another edition of Mother Angelica Answering the Call, the program that features the best of Mother's live show questions from viewers over the years and her powerful and insightful responses. And as always, it's great to be with you, Father. And with you, too. You know, Doug, I recently had the opportunity to visit with some of the nuns and Sister Michael... Thank God. She's 91 years old and still a very clear mind. And so just asking her about the early days and just uh, what were the things that Mother Angelica taught her. This was an interesting thing that she said. She said, you know, I used to rely on Mother's trust. I didn't have to trust. But then after she passed away, I had to learn how to trust for myself. You know, so Mother had this profound trust in God and just these uh, lessons by her own example. Amazing. And the topics we've got come out with the truth, something that's really important today. You can get closer to Jesus after failure. Again, something that's true but doesn't seem to be in people's mind. Can't live without beauty. Mother was always concerned about beauty. And this one, which is an odd one, we made the car. (laughs) Yes. But let's talk about the first one, come out with the truth. It's like it took a long time for this uh, person to be able to express what was it that was causing the differences between them. And, and Mother brings out that point, well, just ask them directly, you know, what is it that is a problem? You know, why am I causing you a problem? And it really is a lack of communication sometimes that leads to greater suspicion, greater prejudices. We begin to interpret actions. You know, Mother talked about one time she was crossing her arms and somebody said, well, that was a sign of authoritarianism. And Mother was saying, no, I just had a pain in my back. <laughs> so we could kind of interpret people's actions in a negative way. Exactly. And, and as she's saying here, doing in love, you're not challenging the person, but going to that person and saying, mm-hmm. as, as the scriptures say, when you have a problem with your brother, you go and ask him or you point it mm-hmm. out and say, like she said, just find out do I have a problem with you? Are you concerned mm-hmm. about something that I'm doing rather than creating all these things in your right. mind and these fears? Yeah, and if we, te- if we talk to people with respect for their, who they are, with a, a love and an openness to hear what they have to say, I think they'll respond. You know, most people will respond if they have goodwill. If we go at them with just an agitation, then they're going to be more defensive. But if we can have that openness to say, well, what is it? What is it that is causing problem? And have that humility to say, I realize I could be a problem. Right. I could be part of the problem. I could be the whole problem. Or Mm -hmm. tell me so at least I can maybe see if it's something Mm -hmm. that I can correct. Let's see what Mother has to say about the idea of coming out with the truth. We have a call. Hello? Yes, Mother Angelica? Yeah. Yes, this is Ann Polly. I'm calling from Livonia, Michigan, and okay. I, I just got cable a couple months ago, and I'll tell you the best thing that ever happened in my life. I mean, it's fan- you are fantastic. You, First best person since Bishop Sheen. We need more leaders like you. Um, Mother, I do have a question regarding humility. Um, I have been, you know, I've been teaching in a Catholic school for four years, and this is my fourth year, and it's very traditional. Um, the pastor is very traditional. The principal is also very traditional. She wears long habit and, you know, receives communion on the tongue. Um, however, uh, I, I've been going through something during these past couple months 
which has been um, very difficult, and I do look at it as, you know, across from God, um, although I'm wondering when I'm going to get a reprieve, because um, I've been going through some um, heavy false accusations made by my coworkers, um, you know, humiliations of all kind, um, slander, you know, things like this, and I guess, like, you know, um, part of me was ready to, I mean, I had just had it, you know, with, with these people, um, and part of me was ready to, you know, bring legal action against, you know, this group, because I, I had just taken enough, and I'm just wondering, you know, is God, you know, telling me, um, just endure this, continue suffering this, um, or, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It, it's very difficult. And I never knew in a Catholic school, and plus I, I'm not really getting much support. I, I mean, you know, the principal is very nice, but her hands are tied. The pastor, you know, he his hands are tied. Um, but it's like, this is a Catholic school, and um, it's, so, it's such an unchristian atmosphere, and I, I just can't believe that these things are happening. And it's like I'm getting no reprieve at all. <laughs> it's been going on. I mean, actually, it's been going on for about two and a yeah. half years. Yeah. But there's a lot of animosity between, you know, the staff, myself. Um. Our, our, I, I'd like to just ask you a question, may I? Um, is, this, is this something in regard to the, the difference, is there a difference between your philosophy and your theology? Is it, what, um, well, what is it that they... Their, their attitudes are definitely different from mine. I think there's a lot of um, jealousy involved. There's, you know, a lot of, um, a lot of it is envy and jealousy. Um, they, you know, they know my, you know, relationship with the principal, and I, 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 you know, it's just that, you know, it's they're incessantly looking for things to, you know, um, to pick on and to, you know, just just to constantly. Um, I can't think of the word now, but uh, you know, they're they're constantly looking for something. Well, I, is is it a, a, a possible a, a pride in 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 regard to to the way you're acting, the way they're acting? I, I yeah, I think that they you know they see me as um, almost a threat. They, I you know I I'm sure you know it's not all their fault. I'm sure I've done things too that you know aren't very um, that aren't very you know humble or something like that. But but it's like. You know, I, I, I'm trying to be nice to these people. I'm trying to be charitable to these people. And it's just a continuously difficult... What, what, I, what I don't understand is, is uh, what is the real difference between you? What is it they dislike? Um, well, we started a, I started a holy hour there a couple months ago, and the pastor, you know, gave me permission. He said, yes, you know, we could do this. And they were upset. You know, one of, one of the staff members was very upset about that. I think that they feel that I'm being... <laughs> shown favoritism and it, it's yeah. just you know they don't they don't like you know um, my philosophy and religion they don't um, they don't like the idea that I am close to the sister that I do defend her in their presence um, and you know it's just I just think it's you know it's just a basic um, you know well, it seems to me that there's a tremendous amount of things that are wrong you're, you're talking about uh, they're uh, upset over perhaps your your friendship with the principal. Uh, I don't know why they would be upset over a holy hour since they seem to be 
a, uh, a traditional school and, and church, when things like that happen that you, you don't know the answer to, I, for one thing, I would be humble and, and go to them and ask, what is the problem? The scriptures say that if your brother has something against you, go to him. And then if he doesn't listen to you, take someone with you and go again. And then if nothing happens that type, take it to the elders. Another, take it to the church and find out what is the reason. Now, sometimes you get in with people that are so different than you are, and, and sometimes you have a moral obligation to go somewhere else. If it's interfering with your spiritual life, it's just bringing about within you anxiety and frustration and uncharitable thoughts or hateful thoughts. That has to be straightened out. And sometimes these things happen because there's no communication between both parties. One does one thing and then we judge why they do it. And then we do something else and they judge why we do it. And, and we have to understand that there's, there, we're both at fault. There's something you're doing that they don't like and there's something definitely they're doing. They not, may not be up to the fact of being honest and above board. I have, only, I have always found in a situation that doesn't have, seem to have a solution, when you're dealing with a group of people, good, honest truth. Come out with truth, real truth. And, and say, look, what is wrong? Why is it? What is slander is a serious thing. Moving on to caller number two here on this program, one that I could uh, relate to. You can get closer <laughs> to Jesus after failure. I don't know about getting closer, but I'm experiencing the failure part there. Father, how about you? I think we all do, you know, and that can be discouraging, especially if you struggle with the same things over and over and over again. That's what this caller seems to really be talking about. But you know, it is a lengthy struggle that often will deepen our humility. Uh, you know, that we can begin our conversion, for example, when people have dramatic conversion and suddenly, I've got to correct everybody else's faults, you know? <laughs> and so we have to grow in humility and that's what our own faults can bring about in us. And also it can intensify our love because I'm not gonna give up and I'm, I'm gonna continue to trust in the Lord's mercy. Exactly, and it's also, it's a reminder that we can't do it ourselves, that, mm -hmm. you know, and that our Lord fell three times on the way to the cross. We're not Pelagians. We don't think we can save ourselves. We need a Savior, and the Savior is our Lord. And it is for us to cooperate, of course, with his grace and to seek and to take those ordinary steps that we need to to grow in holiness and avoid evil but it is the Lord who is ultimately our Savior. Right, and we have to uh, allow ourselves to ask to be forgiven, go to confession, experience that mercy, and it brings that closeness. You can get closer to Jesus after failure. Hello, Mother. Where are you from? I'm from Lake Charles. And what is your question? Uh, you pretty much answered it there. <laughs> you what? You pretty much answered it. That's part of my question. Oh, okay. I get so close to God at times. And I've done that several times. You've done what? I've gotten close to God before. 
Ah. And Mother Mary. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I just fall back. And it's so hard each time that I fall back to look back up again and to not see God looking back at me and feeling such shame of hurting him again. Yes. And I have a hard time with that. Well, God gave us all a conscience. It's a wonderful gift from God. And when we go against the Lord and we slide back, and I don't know what you mean by sliding back. If you committed grave sin or whether you just didn't <coughs> pray or whatever it is. But whether it's big or small, we have to understand that it's only hard, number one, because we're proud. You didn't see in Peter, you see tonight in this episode, any kind of pride. He admitted he failed. See, it's not hard to get close to God if you are forgiven, go to confession, you're forgiven. Now trust comes along and covers everything and gives you that deep realization. In fact, you should be even closer to God. Why? Because he's done something wonderful for you. He's forgiven you. That's what's so bad about taking crucifixes out of our churches. We forget what he did for us. And then we lose sight. You see, we're, we, we just, it's hard for our nature, nature, to overcome temptation. He knows that. That's why he said, we don't know what we do. But you can get back and get closer to Jesus after you fail. Sometimes closer than before because you're humbled. You have experienced the mercy of God. All of that should make you love him more. See? All of that should make you love him more. There's more Mother Angelica answering the call on EWTN Radio. Let's return to Mother Angelica answering the call with Father Joseph and Doug Kecht on EWTN Radio. And thank you so much for staying with us here on Mother Angelica Answering the Call. I'm Doug Keck along with Father Joseph Mary Wolf. Our topic for this segment is Can't Live Without Beauty. That was an important thing for Mother, wasn't it? It was, and it's a very Franciscan thing. You know, there was a whole movement in art with St. Francis of Assisi and just this greater realism, I guess, but also this appreciation of beauty. Francis certainly had that in his canticle of Brother Son. And to think that God adorned creation with things not strictly necessary. We don't have to have colors, you know? We don't have to have some of the beauty of uh, sunsets and those sorts of things. But God adorned it with things that are not strictly necessary. And he is the source of all beauty, and we can some learn something about him from the things he's made. Right, and, and Mother makes a really great point. She says, God is not a sad God, he's a mm. glorious God. <laughs> yes. And that all this goodness and so on comes from him. You know, Father Patrick, our own Father Patrick, he had attended the uh, midnight mass at the shrine when uh, he was trying to discern if he had a, a religious vocation. And it was that night in the midst of that beauty 
and the graces of that night that he realized he had a vocation to our community, thanks be to God. So it's that encounter with beauty in the liturgy, in the music, in the art that can draw us to God. Absolutely. We can't live without beauty or Father Patrick, for that matter. Uh, we have another call. Hello? Good evening, Mother. Good evening. What is your question? Yeah, first I'd like to say that uh, your show should receive an Emmy Award because it's the best show on television oh, today. thank you. <laughs> thank you. Anyway, my question is, I have a friend who's Christian, mm-hmm. and when I brag about how beautiful my church is, he says the church shouldn't be beautiful. It should be plain. It should have no statues because all that distracts you from God. What's the best way I could tell him he's wrong? I really can't say what I want to say on the air. (laughs) Um, It sounds like a transcendentalist that is a nothing, nothing new age. I don't know. But if that were true, there'd be no beauty in the world. Because beauty is to lift the heart up to God. Be a terrible thing in the world if there were no waterfalls, no sun, no sunrise, no sunset. There wouldn't be people who with art that could make beautiful pictures and statues that could inspire you. It would be a terrible blah world if there were no flowers or no trees. There'd be no hills if you're going somewhere and you, you see those hills and you're going up and you see trees and wildflowers and rocks. It would be a terrible world if there were no beauty in men and women who smile, even in the midst of pain, who have courage to stand tall, there would be no beauty in the world at all if God did not give us beauty. See, we could all have been born in a giant desert and never known the difference. But God is beauty. <coughs> and you're human. I feel sorry for that man. I suppose it's a man, may have been a woman. Whatever it is. <laughs> um, But the purpose of statues and paintings is to uplift. God is not a sad God. He is a glorious God. You cannot look, you cannot read the book of Revelations without seeing the beauty, the beauty of heaven. Do you think heaven's going to be one blah place where this particular individual can meditate on God? God himself is absolute beauty. Absolute beauty. And all beauty comes from him. Let me, let me read this little thing see if it would distract your friend. The person sitting on the throne and uh, looked like a diamond and ruby. Uh, wouldn't that be distracting? <laughs> and there was a rainbow encircling the throne, and this looked like an emerald. 
And round the throne in the circle were 24 elders, 24 thrones, and on them sat 24 elders sitting dressed in white robes with golden crowns on their heads. And flashes of lightning were coming from the throne and peals of thunder. And in front of the throne were seven flaming lamps burning, the seven spirits of God. I don't know where that poor individual is going to go <laughs> if he doesn't like beauty. You see, uh, without beauty, we cannot live. And closing this program out, a very interesting call, mm -hmm. which is labeled as, We Made the Car. <laughs> yes. And some other uses that very practical example. You know, if we think about how a car is made, and there's certain things you have to do for a car to run properly and even run at all, well, that's true of the human being, too. And think for just a moment, what would it be like in the world if everyone obeyed the fifth commandment, thou shalt not kill, the sixth commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery, and the seventh commandment, thou shalt not steal. What if that was not happening in the world and we just obeyed those three commandments? Of course, the others are necessary too. How different the world would be. That's how we're made. That's how society is to, to function you know, well. Right, exactly, because uh, uh, our Lord made uh, us, and hence he knows what's good for us, you know, in, mm -hmm. in a sense of like somebody uh, creating the, uh, the your book for on the on the car uh, that mm -hmm. tells you how to operate and what kind of oil to put in or not, as Mother <laughs> talks about. And just the idea, I thought it was a great line, was, you know, Mother says that the idea the church says adultery is a sin, not because the church says it, it's because God said it, mm -hmm. and that's all the church is doing. Yeah, the, the church sometimes has said, well, we don't have the authority to teach that because this is what Christ did. For example, the male priesthood, this is what he did. We don't have the authority to change it. We have to follow what the Lord himself did and what he taught. Absolutely. Take it up with the boss. We made the car. We have a call. Hello? Hello, Mother. Yeah, where are you from? Hi, my name's Don. I'm from New Hampshire. And what is your question? It's so nice to talk to you. I've wanted to for a couple of years now. And uh, mainly the question that I had is uh, how a person really finds discernment between attacking a sin and attacking the sinner. Um, it's, uh, it's a difficult problem. And, uh, you know, I, I know a couple of people that are afraid to approach the church because of a past sin. And they get very sensitive whenever anybody speaks about um, uh, this particular sin, and uh, uh, the, the, the trouble is, you know, they really regret it, but they're having difficulties because they feel that the, uh, the church is, uh, is condemning them, and, uh, you know, and I want to, you know, I want to know how do you, how do you condemn the sin without condemning the sinner? <clears throat> Well, that, uh, that concept of uh, the, the church being judgmental is another part of this giant plan to destroy the church. And if you don't believe by this time there is a giant plan, then you, you're something wrong with you. The church is not here and never has condemned anybody. The church only merely states the Ten Commandments. 
and tells us what God is asking of us. See, Jesus, after you went through all of this, he's bound by justice to give us a source of truth, don't you think? See, as a lay person, you must encourage these people to go to confession. When the Lord, when the church says adultery is a sin, God said it. <laughs> the church only repeats what God himself has told us. See, our body is like a machine. You don't buy a new car and put sand in the carburetor. The, the manufacturer says to you, if you don't treat this car right, or you don't put oil in it, it's going to burn up. Are they condemning you? Are they calling you stupid? No, they're saying, we made this car. I want to tell you how to keep it moving. Now, if someone would read all the books, you get a book that thick, and said, they have no right to tell me what to do. Well, if they made the car, they have a right to say, this is how it runs best. And they also say, if, if you don't do this, this is going to happen. That's all the church does. The concept that the church is a, a judgmental is not true. For more about Mother Angelica and to listen to her shows, go to EWTN.com. See you next time on Mother Angelica, answering the call only on EWTN Radio.